Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with entrepreneur, career coach, and franchise consultant, Irving Chung. He is the founder and CEO of Fran Guidance, a resource for franchise exploration and investment. After 25 years in corporate, he learned the hard way that it does not lead to wealth generation or happiness. Today, it is even worse with declining loyalty on both the employer and employee side. Through franchising, he was able to become an entrepreneur by leveraging a proven business model with lower risk, turnkey operations, training, and marketing support. As a franchise consultant, he pays it forward by helping others discover an opportunity to create unlimited income and freedom through the franchise ownership. He was also on the team that created the Got Milk campaign and has a lot of stories along those lines in his professional journey that he imparts. Enjoy this interview. So it's great to meet you, Irving. You got a great story. And I want to begin our conversation with surviving the last three and a half years. How did you get through the pandemic and how did it subsequently change you? Yeah, no, the pandemic was a kick in the pants. I tell you, so I I own an indoor cycling franchise uh, called Cycle Bar. And uh, obviously it, it holds 50 bikes. People are very close together, sweating, breathing heavy. So on, you know, was it March, whatever, 14th, uh, you know, the governor was like, your business needs to be shut down by tomorrow, by tw- within 24 hours, yeah. you know, and it was like, holy smokes, what do I do? I yeah. uh, literally emailed all the employees and staff and said, hey, we're shutting down. Don't know when we'll open up again. Uh, we'll keep you updated as much as I can. Um, if it wasn't for the franchisor, right, the parent company, with all the resources they provide, we would be out of business. Um, they they immediately pulled together an executive team, brainstormed on, hey, how do we respond to this? Because there's over 250 franchisees, right, all across the country. Uh, the the fortunately, the headquarters um, is in California, and extremely strict rules. Right. Texas is a little bit more liberal. So, you know, liberal in terms of, I mean, more conservative, <laughs> but liberal in terms of their restrictions. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, everything that California created was for the most strict guidelines. Right. So they came up with sterilization, uh, sanitation, uh, protocol, touchless check in, automated services. In fact, one, one of the key savers of us was they allowed us to create a system where we can rent our bikes out to members and conduct virtual classes. And and so they actually uh, rented a video studio and they recorded instructors and, and, and streamed them out over the internet. They created an exclusive channel that only member access would have. And they, they allowed us to monetize our business while we were shut down because people were eager to do stuff, right? People were cooped up in their houses. That's why Peloton took off. Yeah. I mean, everyone, like all my members were like, oh, I'm going to buy a Peloton. And, and in fact, I mean, a lot of them couldn't even get them, right? So I was like, no need to get one. You can get mine. But I mean, I was only limited to 50. I have over 350 members. So I rented out my bike to 50 of them to keep an income stream going. But also by subscribing to the online workout channel that the corporate created, they also had other fitness concepts in that online channel, yoga, calisthenics, Pilates. So actually people were able to subscribe uh, and I got that subscription, you know, revenue. Um, And so that was a huge game changer for us. In addition to, you know, a lot of the government aid and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. 
So, so these mm -hmm. days you're a franchise consultant. So I want to get to the heart and soul of what you do. I'm going to absolutely. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third grade students. It's career day, and one <laughs> of the kid, and one of the kids curiously looks up and says, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" How do you answer yeah. them? So I help people become business owners, um, and a lot of brands that you see every day. Uh, McDonald's, Subway, Firehouse Subs, um, Planet Fitness, um, you know, Amazing Eyelashes, um, uh, Meta Weight Loss Clinics, um, uh, Health Source Chiropractics, uh, uh, um, Hun Huntington Learning Center, Tutoring Center. I mean, these are all franchises. I have over a thousand different businesses in my portfolio, and these are all accessible to anyone who wants to be a business owner. What's great about owning a franchise is you don't need to have any background whatsoever in the business you pursue. And the reason why it's a proven model, business in a box, it's literally a paint by number system where they'll train and teach anybody who has the motivation to learn to own any kind of business. I personally own an indoor cycling studio. I've never owned a gym. Yeah, I can ride a bike. Yes, I've gone to indoor cycling classes, but I don't teach a class. I don't work the front desk. I'm the CEO, right? So the great thing about owning a business too is a huge career transition. Most people, when they work a job, they're a cog in a wheel. They're a worker bee, right? They're accountable to somebody else and their job is to be productive. When you buy a franchise, you're owning a business, you immediately get promoted to being a CEO, which means that you're not a worker bee, your employees are. Every employee becomes a revenue stream for you as the owner. So now you went from being a sole breadwinner to being limited to your salary because you're a worker bee to now being responsible for a business and every employee becomes an income stream to you. It's a huge game changer that people don't get. Yeah. You know? So think about it. If you own a plumbing business, right? Each plumber can make you 80 grand in profit to 100 grand in profit. You have three plumbers working for you. That's 300 grand. Wow. And it's not you crawling into the sink. Yeah. It's you doing the marketing. It's you, if you want to, calling customers and say, hey, what's your issue? When are you available? I got an opening next Thursday. I'll send Joe out there to go take care of your stuff. Yeah. You know? And, wow. then, and then the more customers you have, the more plumbers you hire. I mean, so you have unlimited growth potential in a lot of these franchise businesses. You know, think about a tutoring center. I mean, I'm not smart enough to tutor every subject, right? I have tutors that teach, that would tutor science, math, reading, test, you know, um, SATs, ACTs. A lot of times they're high school kids looking for work, college kids looking for work, teachers looking for supplemental income. Each one of those tutors are an income stream to me. It's not me tutoring. Yeah. It's me hiring the right people and, and advertising to get customers. That's fascinating. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream? You know, what's funny is that that's what this is about, right? I mean, when I was in the third grade, what did I want to be? I actually wanted to be a, a soldier, right? Yeah. And the reason why was because my father was a World War II veteran. He was in the Air Force. And I always looked at him. He was always my hero. And he'd tell me stories about his time in World War II and how, you know, he had a role in changing the world, right? And so coming out of that generation, I always glamorized the military. I mean, I never did. I never I never pulled the trigger. My parents didn't necessarily support it either. Uh, I ended up going to corporate route, 30 years in corporate doing marketing until uh, age 50. 
I just got burned out. I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was having anxiety attacks. The doctor was like, it's not a heart attack, it's an anxiety attack. But you know what? That's a precursor, right? That's a warning sign that you're overly stressed. And, and I decided that corporate wasn't for me. I'm not going to risk my health and my life for somebody else. You know, I, I, I'd rather put my effort and energy in my own business, make more money and be accountable to myself, right? Yeah. And so I bought my own franchise six years ago. And as a result of that, I also started franchise consulting. The company I work with, Franchise, um, you know, they actually bring on only franchisees to be consultants. And the reason why is they want us to be able to consult from a firsthand experience standpoint. Yeah. And so I kind of view what I do as paying it forward. It helped me get out of corporate. It helped me discover a whole new life that, I mean, I've never made more money. I've never had more freedom of time ever in, in the 30 years of corporate that I spent, right? Wow. I work when I want. I don't work when I don't want. I mean, just this October, I spent two weeks in, in Portugal with my wife. I took the time. I didn't have to ask for permission. I didn't have to go ask for PTO and all this stuff, yeah. you know? So it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a game changer. And so I kind of view what I do as paying it forward and helping share other, you know, with others, kind of the, the alternative to, to corporate, the corporate grind. So you're obviously very highly driven. You have your whole life been, take me back to where you were born and raised and how these seeds became you. <laughs> how, how did you evolve yeah. in, into this very highly functional business owner? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, going back, so I'm Chinese, my, my nationality. My parents are immigrants from China, okay? They migrated here uh, pretty much just prior to World War II. And my father joined the Air Force uh, right, right out the gate, and that earned him citizenship. The reason why they migrated from China during that time was because that was during the Communist Revolution. There was a major civil war going in China before World War II broke out. That's why the Japanese were able to just swoop into China and kick their butts because they were in disarray, right? They were they were fighting amongst themselves. Anyway, my parents left there because they were nationalists. They were like, where do I want to be part of this communist thing? And Americans were big supporters of the nationalists. And so um, the issue with being an immigrant in China, even after having served this country as a, as a soldier, is you had very limited work opportunities, my father, through the GI Bill, became an uh, electrical engineer, right? Graduated with a degree, college degree. That was his dream. Uh, it was one of the perks of being a soldier. Well, he couldn't get a job. Nobody wanted to hire him because he was Chinese. And so he opened a Chinese laundry, right? So it's not coincidence that there's a lot of Chinese laundries and Chinese restaurants, during the 1800s, there was a law passed called, I don't know, was it, I don't know if it's, 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 it, it limited the Chinese from owning any other business or having any job besides laundries and restaurants. Hmm. It was a restrictive law because it was because the immigrants from China were taking jobs that all the other people wanted, right? So, you know, the Italians, the Irish were fighting for jobs. Oh, this is a great, you talk about Netflix documentary, there's a great dr drama um, I forgot what it was called, but it it actually depicts the life in the 1800s when the Chinese were, you know, all over the West because they were brought in to do the railroads. Well, yeah. once the railroads were done, you had all these Chinese around who were willing to work really hard for low wages. And the Irish and the Italians were like, screw that. We're not going to let that happen. And so they passed all these laws that said, you know, the Chinese can't do anything but laundry and restaurants. 
Well, that kind of stuck all the way into the 50s, when, you know, or late 40s, right? All the way through when my parents were trying to get a career. So they owned a Chinese laundry. I saw that. I was raised partly watching my parents be entrepreneurs. And then one day, this is kind of cool, the American dream. Like a gentleman came in to drop off his laundry. He looks up and sees his college degree and goes, whose degree is that? My dad's like, is mine. He says, so why are you working on laundry? He goes, I can't get anyone to hire me. The guy gives him a business card. He goes, call me on Monday. He calls him on Monday, gave him a job as his first job as an electrical engineer. That's a great yeah. story. My dad walked away from the laundry. My mom ran it. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I was in and my dad has ever since then was, you know, he he designed major projects. He designed the um uh the American Airlines terminal at Kennedy uh, at JFK Airport. He designed a couple of missile systems for, you know, some of the big, you know, defense companies. I mean, he had, he did major work, but it was this one guy just get him a break, right? Because he was not, you know, uh, a, a biased and prejudiced kind of great guy. Um, my parents then said, you know what, Irving, you're going to go to college. All the kids, I'm, I'm one of four siblings. And they said, all you guys are going to go to college. That's the American dream. American dream is to get a job, go to college, get a job, work for a corporation. And in the old days, you know, my dad's philosophy was you take care of them. They'll take care of you, son. You work for one company for your whole life and then you'll grant, you know, you'll retire with a pension. Well, that is so outdated, right? That, that didn't happen during my time. And, and so Fast forward, you know, I tried to go that route. My parents supported it. Like I mentioned to you, I, you know, I, I wanted to join the army. My dad's like, it did great by me, but no, you, you, you're going to go to college. You're going to get a, a degree. They wanted us to be doctors, lawyers, you know, engineers, all those kind of things. And and I ended up going into marketing, which was a great profession. My claim to fame, marketing wise, I created the Got Milk campaign. Oh, wow. right, the original campaign. Yep. So I had a great, thriving career. Right. But it was high, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and it really didn't deliver the fortunes that I would hope, right? So unless you become a CEO, you're not making millions. I mean, who's making millions being a grunt? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. You know, and, and I put in the hours. I was doing 50-hour weeks, right? So I'm putting in the hours. And, you know, I had a good income. So don't get me wrong. It was a great career. But wasn't enough to pay for three kids college, wasn't enough to retire, wasn't enough to go on vacations, wasn't enough to have new cars, wasn't enough to, no, the answer is no. You know, we we work our butts off to make ends meet, not to be comfortable, not to be financially secure. And that's when I was like, you know what, I looked back to my parents and said, you know what, I remember the days when they ran their own business, right? I remember days when I can be, you know, I, I kind of had a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit in me. That was like, you know what? I want to own my own business. I'm sick of this corporate thing. I tried it. It didn't work. I mean, I gave it more than the college go, right? I mean, I, I committed 30 years to it. And I'm like, at the end of the day, you look at your bank account, you look at, you know, your 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 own personal gains and, and your health and everything, big picture. And I'm like, am I where I need to be? And the answer was no. Yeah. And so I'm like, I was like, there has to be a better way. And then I was introduced to a franchise consultant at Franchise, and she was like, sure, here are all your options. I'm like, I felt like a kid in a candy store. So kind of like your original question, hey, you're in front of a third grade class and a teacher asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, yeah, at 50 years old, I got asked that question and I could do anything I wanted. Yeah. I mean, and, and I chose to be a gym owner, right? I chose to be a fitness enthusiast, right? Because I believe in fitness. 
I believe in health and wellness, proactive health management. I think that's not going away anywhere. In fact, the pandemic made that even more important because anyone with a chronic illness, asthma, bronchitis, uh, hypertension, overweight, obesity, any of those simple things that probably about 60% of Americans have, right, made you more susceptible to death. Yes, it was like normally COVID doesn't kill you. But if you have a pre-existing condition, boom, yeah, you can die from that, right? And so people are like, oh, shoot, I better lose some weight. I better get a little bit healthier, right? So that when I do get something like the, the coronavirus, it's not going to just take me out, yeah. you know? And yeah. so anyway, um, and then the other great thing about fitness is it's it's a membership-based uh, uh, revenue stream. So once you build up your membership, I, I've owned it for six years now. I have over 400 members. <clears throat> it's like an annuity. I, I can predict up down to a hundred bucks how much I'm going to get into my bank account next month. Wow. You know? So you put the work in in the beginning and, you know, it's, I love it. It's the community I created, um, you know, the, the employees I've nurtured. I mean, it's a really fulfilling uh, business, but the reality is it's also, this is a whole nother topic. It's called a semi-absentee owner business. What does that mean? It means it's manager run. I don't teach a fitness class. I'm not young and sexy enough, right? My my instructors are 25, 30 year old, super in shape, highly motivated people that people want to see on stage. They don't want to see me, right? <laughs> they make fun of guys like me, you know, which is cool. That's fine. Yeah. You know, I and and I I'm too senior to work the front desk. That's a high school kid's job, yeah. right? So when I think about it, when you think about it, there's no role for me, right? A manager, general manager runs the business. I mean, it, it runs autonomously. Right. I do the big picture stuff. Like I said, as a as a franchise owner, you're a CEO. Yeah. I'm doing payroll. I'm making marketing decisions. I'm ordering supplies. I'm 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 repairing bikes, you know, or ordering the repair of bikes, right? I'm strategically managing the business, uh, managing payroll, managing expenses, motivating employees, you know. Yeah. I'm teaching classes, I'm not opening doors at 5 30 in the morning. I'm sleeping at 5 30 in the morning. Yeah. What's fascinating about your story is the full circle aspect of it. Yeah. That man that came in and gave your dad the yeah. job, you're doing the same thing to people now. It's absolutely. Is yeah. that crazy? It's but, all yeah. about moving forward, right? And and I tell you, I, I love my job. Yeah. Like like Joe, I, I couldn't I couldn't have predicted this 20 years ago. Sure. If someone 20 years ago said, Hey, you want to be a franchise consultant? I'm like, what? Hell no. Yeah. I said, I'm loving my job. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm creating Super Bowl ads. I'm meeting celebrities. I met Paul Abdul, Elton John. I mean, I'm doing some cool stuff here. You know, I was doing shoots in Universal Studios. I mean, it was cool stuff, right? But at the end of the day, like once the buck starts to, you know, when, when you start to, you know, look at your bank account and all that stuff. And, you know, and then when you get more senior, I was, I was, uh, you know, I, I made it to, um, you know, senior vice president level, partner level at a small firm, I mean, the pressure gets higher, right? Yeah. So I'm like, nah, it's, you know, anyway. Yeah, I love that full circle aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's totally cool. So of all of these things that you've done and achieved and become, what are you the proudest of? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole journey, dude. It's the whole journey. Yeah. Like, like, you know, you just don't know what is ahead of you tomorrow. Right. And, and it's the, it, it's your ability to experience life and adapt to life and make the best choices with what you have available to you. Yeah. 
and 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 I don't regret my career in advertising. I don't regret anything I've done, right? Because where I ended up was the result of the journey I took. You know, same thing with 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 meeting and marrying my wife. You know, what I mean, like it's crazy, like how you run in and meet people. Like, how did I meet her? Like, a, out of millions and millions of people, right? You meet your soulmate, and and I honestly view her as that. It's you know, I mean, not not to say there's no more than one person for me, but I, I mean, I've been married for 28 years, and I, I'm as in love with her today as I was 28 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I freaking love it, right? I know fifth divorce rates over 50% doesn't happen to a lot of people. But when I look at my life's journey, where it's taken me, I, I've never been happier. Yeah, yeah. I've never been happier. Yeah. You know what's fascinating? When you mentioned the got milk, I remember reading an article at one point. They, they were saying that is probably one of the most successful campaigns ever. Yeah. It is. It How is. did it it's happen? Cool. How did you come up with that? Oh my gosh! It, it it's a whole nother episode of your show. <laughs> okay, Jeff. that's what I figured. <laughs> but, but you know what? What's great about marketing is a lot of it is serendipity, right? A lot of it is you test things, you you research things, and and honestly, as as emotional as something like that is, it starts with research. Mm-hmm. And 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 the the California Milk Marketing Board is the one who sponsored that that work, and and milk was declining for the last six seven years, like yeah. literally. They were desperate. They're like, we need to make people drink milk. We we have a surplus. Nobody's drinking milk. And this was in the 90s. And they said, you know, think about the campaign before that was Milkmate does a body good, right? They tried to health route. They tried to guilt people into it, try and tell people, hey, it's healthy, it's healthy. Milk does a body good, had a 98% awareness level, right? But but milk was still declining like a freaking free fall. And, and so they said, hey, you know, we need a new strategy. So we did some focus groups and we found out that, you know, when we talked to people about milk, what well, we discovered milk was an essential part of life, right? And okay, duh, no brainer. But when you think about it, like when you have a, a, a chocolate cookie, when you have cereal, when you have certain things, you're like, there's no other substitute. So anyway, that's kind of a long story short yeah. about how we got to this milk's essential. And then one person in the focus group said, Oh my God, if I don't have milk, my day's ruined. He goes, I, 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 coffee is how I wake up. If I don't wake up and if I don't have coffee with milk, I can't drink it. If I don't wake up, I lose my job. If I don't lose my, if I lose my job, I lose my house. If I lose my house, I'll lose my family. I mean, he just went to the spiral of, of darkness. Yeah. And we're like, wow, only because we asked him, what happens if you didn't have milk? That was the genesis. Yeah. And we realized we're like, you know what? The fear factor of saying, you know what? You better make sure you have milk in the fridge. Got milk. That's the question we wanted people to think about. Yeah. Because we wanted them to think, oh, you know what? When I'm at the milk grocery store, do I have milk? You know, because that minute I need cereal, right? Which you don't know, right? It's probably going to be Thursday morning, right? I better have it. Otherwise, I can't have cereal. Yeah. Or, or tonight, if I, after dinner, I'm going to have a chocolate cookie, I'm like, or a brownie. Oh my God, God forbid I don't have milk, right? Yeah, right. Or you're making mashed potatoes or you're making certain things. So that was the genesis. It, it was it was wow. pretty, pretty cool. That is cool. So Irving, you, the, the, what a fascinating ride. I'm curious, there's all these people in your world, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's yeah. your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Gosh, who do I think I am? Um, you know, I, I, I think, I, I feel like I'm a giver, right? I mean, you got givers and you got takers in the world. 
and 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 I'm a giver. I mean, I I, I give so much to my kids. Um, I give so much to my wife, and and it, it, as a result of that, and I give so much to my clients, and as a result, of that, you you get back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I have an abundance mindset. I'm an optimist, right? And and I think that's contagious. You know, to me, I, I really, I mean, not that I like to say I hate people, I don't, but I really don't relate to pessimist and scarcity mindsets. Yeah. Like I hate it when people are so afraid that they're not willing to share, they're not willing to give, they're not willing because they they're like they're hoarding knowledge, they're hoarding money, they're hoarding everything, right? And and to me, I'm I'm opposite. I'm like, if you give, you'll receive. Yeah. And so that that's how I view what I do down to my career, down to my personal life, you know, and, and I do try to live by the rule of, you know, just just make somebody's day better. Yeah. And and I love that just by complimenting somebody, you know, hey, I, I love your vest and hey, you know, nice, nice hairstyle. I and mean, that's pretty cool. Or, or, you know, you see, I mean, it's kind of creepy. I was going to say, hey, you smell great, but that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, dude, man, you get a little too close if you right. like it. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> so don't say that ever. Don't yes, ever say that. Exactly. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like just a compliment is goes a long way. A thank you goes a long way. Yeah. You know? So, you know, you're you're obviously very highly driven and curious. Mm -hmm. Let's say we get off this Zoom call and a time machine yeah. rolls up in front of your business. Yeah. You can go anywhere in history and see one event in human history. Where are you going? Oh, wow. Gee, that's a huge question, dude. That's like the intro to the Big Bang Theory show. <laughs> it's like and all it of these things are just... Right? Oh, my yeah. God. I don't know. Where would I go? You know, I, I think I would go somewhere to experience um, my heritage. Yeah. You know, I would go to see my mother so this is another part of crazy journey so my grandfather on my mother's side joined the u.s navy right yeah. so a big part of my family history was because of the u.s military right my father joined the air force my grandfather joined the navy my um my mother and her mother my grandmother they had to walk from canton to shanghai to the to the port to get to freedom and here's this like 10 year old girl walking with her mother through a war-torn country with no money, no resources, nothing, to make it to a frigid that would take them to America to freedom. And they, they spent three months over the ocean, ended up in Ellis Island, right? And and just to kind of be a fly on a wall to see their journey in person would be amazing. I've been to Ellis Island. I grew up in New York, so we have been to, been to Ellis Island. Uh, my mother was almost in tears when she was with us. I mean, she remembers people killing themselves and committing suicide in Ellis Island after making that journey because of the unknown. Wow. Because they 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 were locked up in Ellis Island, it's like a prison. It's metal bars in the window. Like yeah. you don't you don't feel like you've made it to freedom, honestly. Yeah. When you make it to Ellis Island, you're in a brick building, uh herded like cattle, you know, with metal bars. You're literally like you're in jail, right? And and people kill themselves. And I mean, to me, that's like, but but going back to your question, how do I see myself? I see myself as a giver. I, I cherish the fact that I've been able to make it this far in life. People who are afraid, people who are not optimists, people who are not givers, right? You live in this world of fear and desperation and scarcity, right? That's the opposite side. Those are the ones who kill themselves, right? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. think about, you know, the survival stories of these POWs, the guy who is, you know, on, on the, on the life raft and lived whatever, you know, yeah, stuff like that. Right. It's like, what keeps you alive or in PW camp, like even brutal, more brutal conditions in the POW camps in Japan uh, or, or Philippines and, you know, in solitary, you know, how do you keep your head from going insane and wanting to kill yourself? Yeah. I mean, extremes, but every day we deal with those kind of things. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I there was uh, I interviewed someone recently that was a uh, Haitian background and mm. someone had told me they went to Haiti and did some relief work and they have the lowest suicide rate in the world. Really? And whole, yeah. And their whole thing is they don't have time for it. That's their quote. We don't have time for any of that. They just <laughs> they, they keep they keep their eye on the prize and they live their lives. And I didn't wow. realize that either. Yeah. So that's crazy. I don't, yeah. have time. I don't have time to kill myself. That's it. I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild yeah irving you're fascinating man thank you so much for your time today all of the information is obviously behind you very convenient for everybody yeah. that's watched this yeah. is, is there anything else that people yeah, should know no, to reach out i i want to i want to give you my website my friend my website is franguidance.com okay. so it's f-r-a-n-g-u-i-d-a-n-c-e fran guidance stands for franchise guidance and that's my personal website um there's a lot of information about me there's information about my services the best part of what i do is it's free it's free to anybody who's curious and the reason why it's designed that way is because franchisors pay me to provide this level of education so it's the best of all worlds because it's there if any so many people are just curious about i wonder what it'd be like to own my own business yeah you can find out i that's what i'm here to do is help you Help yeah. you see what that looks like. Help yeah. test the waters. Put your toe in the water. Go take a look at it. If you like it, awesome. If you don't like it, awesome. But at least you know now. Yeah. You know, so many people, again, live in this world of like, they feel trapped. They feel, they give up to the status quo. Yeah. You know, when I just talked to a, one of my clients, she just quit her job. I'm like, you're crazy. Why'd you quit your job? She goes, well, because I'm working with you and I see there's a better option and I'm sick of what I'm doing. I'm like, well, you could have waited a few more months, <laughs> but that's it. I mean, I gave her the courage to quit. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. So many people don't have the courage and, and just talking to me is, is helpful because you get a little bit of information. You, you see that there's an option, yeah. right? Absolutely. So yeah, yeah my website, franguidance.com. There's my phone number. It's my cell phone. So it's dangerous to give to people, but you know what? Text me, call me. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. I love it. Irving Chung, thank you so much. Fascinating story. Have a wonderful 2024, sir. Thank you so much. You too. Joe, it was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, we need to do this again. I enjoyed our conversation so much. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music